stronger, be wiser. Our seat, our table. This is our voice, our time, our moment, our seat, our table. Yeah. Hey, 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 our seat. again. You are listening to our seat, our table leadership lounge. Last week, we had our 10th episode and we kicked it off with a women's history tribute by the women from our local community. The women in our local community shared what leadership meant to them and how they were demonstrating This week, we are traveling, and I want to say traveling virtually, to the community of Pine Hills, located in West Orlando. My name is Barbara Chandler, and I am the host of the History and Community segment. You will also hear from LaVonda Wilder with the Eatonville community, um, I'm sorry, with the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce, um, where she does the business highlight. And of course, Andrew Brown with our Artist Spotlight. I think this week's show, the community of Pine Hills, which is very, very near and dear to a lot of people who live in Central Florida. I think a lot of times we hear of Pine Hills community and there's been a lot of mixed messages. So it gives me great pleasure to have with me representation from Pine Hills that can talk about the history as well as what's happening currently and how they are continuing, continuing to push their community forward in a very positive light. So good morning, Ms. Bertina. Ms. Bertina. Good morning. Ms. Bertina Bush is one of the community historians in Pine Hills. Bertina, give us a bit of the history of Pine Hills. How and why did that community begin? Uh, It began in the 1950s. Um, Gordon Barnett uh, decided uh, there would be uh, advantageous uh, to uh, move and expand to the West and uh, bought uh, over 2,000 acres of property. And so in uh, 1952, uh, they started out along Pine Hills Road building homes. They had uh, an official opening um, uh, in the, uh, 1952, I think it was the first 300 homes. And uh, they continued to expand. Uh, young people uh, bought the homes with their families. And by uh, 1978, they had over 57,000 residents. So it blossomed quickly. Uh, it, uh, they uh, b- built the first post office there uh, off of uh, West Colonial. Uh, he uh, also was responsible for giving property to the first shopping center, the, the Pine Hills uh, shopping center there off of West Colonial. And also um, it, was, it was built in stages. So the first stage uh, was the uh, long West uh, uh, Pine Hills Road, also including the Robinswood Association uh, of uh, homes that went from West Colonial to Silver Star Road. And it just, it kept building and building and expanding westward. As it did that, the people that were attracted uh, were very entrepreneurial. They're very uh, independent-minded. They There were several ballots uh, to be incorporated either, and they did not want to be uh, annexed into the city, and they didn't want to be incorporated into a city. They wanted to be uh, uh, left uh, in under Orange County government, and uh, so they turned two uh, attempts to go to ballot were defeated to re- so that the people in Pine Hills are still to this day unincorporated. Wow, wow. Miss Bertina, you said it began in 1950. 
Uh, that's where Mr. Barnett saw the vision in which to create this community. Now, when we talk about Pine Hills, uh, the geography, can you tell us from where does it start? Where does it end from east to west and north to south? Well, uh, from the very beginning, he had a vision for Pine Hills that went uh, along, uh, of course, you realize at first that Orla Vista to the south of uh, Highway 50 was a much older community. Uh, that and uh, So that was there. So the south boundary is considered to be West Colonial or uh, the 408 after it was built. And it goes north to Claricona Coy Road and as uh, far west as Apopka Island. Wow, wow. That it, I think Pine Hills is actually larger than what a lot of people realize. Oh, Con yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things, and you and I spoke about this, and I definitely want you to clarify it. Uh, one of the things, and I've lived in Pine Hills on two different occasions. I think it's very important that I say that. I lived there as a teenager. My mother moved to the area. And at that time, it was still very much a white community. And I lived there as an adult. I lived off of Powers Drive and I lived off of Harrington. I had um, homes at that time. So I have lived and experienced living in Pine Hills, which I appreciated very much. My, my sons attended Evans High School. I had two of my sons, a host of nieces and nephews that attended Evans High School, graduated from Evans, and some there are there working in the Pine Hills community as we speak, teaching in Evans or have businesses. So I am very much connected to that community. One of the things wow. we spoke about, yeah, one of the things that we spoke about when you and I had our initial conversations are the different transitions that Pine Hills, the community of Pine Hills has been through and continue to survive. Can you talk about some of those uh, transitions where we had influx of residents to come into the community? Um, we've had, uh, well, we, my family of seven, came in uh, 1983 and uh, it was starting uh, the transition had already begun in Pine Hills demographically uh, of course with uh, integration and uh, they integrated the schools uh, and established busing uh, I'm actually from a uh, inner school uh, I'm from Minneapolis Minnesota and uh, we lived in the inner city and it was, uh, we really, my husband, I have to be truthful here, looked at, and he was looking for housing. Uh, the realtor steered him away from Pine Hills, but after looking at 80 homes, he found the, the, our dream house in Pine Hills. And uh, we, we had no problem living in Pine Hills. We loved the people here. Uh, we were same thing, uh, type of community we came from in Minneapolis. And uh, we were on the cusp of the change of demographics. And, and you can see this is interesting. It's going to Evans High School. They have pictures of the graduating classes. And you'll see pictures of, it will tell you, you can see the years of change from uh, how people look to the present time where uh, the, I am the minor, actually the minority in Pine Hills. Pine Hills. Uh, <laughs> which is kind of fun <laughs> for me to talk to people about. But we, uh, we love Pine Hills and I wanted to get this out. Be the reason we chose it is because it's so, my husband worked downtown. It was close to everything we needed. It's built on a grid system. It's easy to move around Pine Hills as big as it is. Yes. It, it takes you know just a few minutes to go from one end to the other. All the services are here that you need for a family, all the churches, all the schools. Uh, close to downtown, close to freeways, highways. It's just, a, a, and the housing stock is tremendous. Yes, yeah. Now, one of the things you mentioned, um, Pine Hills, the diversity, diversity. Let's talk about the diversity in Pine Hills and what makes that such a model community. Oh, the diversity uh, is is what gives it is makes it uh, challenging on one hand, but exciting on the others because you have <laughs> because you have such a entrepreneurial group of people, independent minded. I mean, the original people here, if they needed a boys and girls club, they built it. Or if they boys club, they built it. If they needed a girls club, they built it. They had thousands of people going to the girls club across the street. 
uh, from uh, St. Andrews Catholic, and now it's the YMCA, but it was previously a girls club where they had thousands participating in the sports. Wow. So they, they, they needed something. They went door to door and built it and obtained those services they needed for their youth and for their families. And that, that spirit continues now as people come from all over uh, the world, uh, from different places, different states, different countries, the Caribbean, uh, you know, they, wherever they come from, they bring their um, entrepreneurial spirit with. Excellent. And uh, it's, very, it's really, uh, it's, it's just a joy to interact. Excellent. Let me ask you this, as far as population-wise, the current population, how many uh, uh, residents are in Pine Hills? What is, what's the population there? I always say it's around uh, 70,000, give or take. You know, when you consider the greater Orlando or the greater Pine Hills area of unincorporated areas, it probably moves closer to 80,000 with Orla Vista and Lockhart and some of the others that surround Pine Hills. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have, uh, it, it, it's, it, we would be the second largest city if we were incorporated. Wow, wow. I still to this day. Wow, wow. Um, the other question, and, and when a lot of people, again, out-of-towners, and I think we've all heard this, and it, 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 for those of us who have um, an, an attachment to the Pine Hills community, it, um, it makes us uh, furious. When we hear the C word, which I've always felt was made up and given to Pine Hills, this uh, very working class community, where did that come from? Was that made up? Yeah, that was a media, uh, that, that all became uh, part of a media ploy by Jim Phillips, it was radio. And he, he gave us that handle. At that time, uh, we had some issues, uh, but it, it was the same issues they had throughout all of Orange County. But because it, uh, the C word rhymed with our, our word, uh, he would, uh, on his radio show, he would, he would pan us and say bad things about us. And the council at that time in the 80s, uh, actually, my husband and I, um, there, there was nothing, we had no voice. So my husband and I started the Pine Hills Press in the, the 1990s. And we wrote a letter to the editor, my husband did. And we, uh, we have a group, we established a group that uh, monitors the media because that was our biggest challenge. To be honest, the media can, right, can, right. can really do you in in a short time. So uh, we monitored this, the paper, the radio, the TV. Uh, it was convenient for Central Florida and Orlando. If anything bad happened, they would tell it was in Pine Hills. And wow. oftentimes it wasn't even near us. It wasn't even near you. Wow, wow, wow. Well, so we, we, what we did with Jim Phillips is we uh, monitored all his, his radio program and wrote down uh, all his advertisers. And to our surprise, we had two and three of his advertisers uh, in uh, who had two and three locations in Pine Hills. And we sent this letter to the editor, what he was doing to his advertisers and were able to shut him down. Wow, wow, wow. That's, that's, that's a real stand-up move that you and your husband took against such a unnecessary, unnecessary statement. Um, and again, I have found myself even right now, not living in the community, but again, still having very close attachments, find myself defending that is not the case. So I, I, I think it's very important once again, and why this particular program was created, our seat, our table in which we can control the narrative. I think that's a perfect example of how when someone outside of the community um, uh, says something negative for whatever reasons, how it begins to just permeate and, and, and uh, and takes control of exactly what or who the people in the community are. So I, I commend you and your husband for such a stand-up uh, decision to be able to speak out against it. Where Where is Pine Hills currently? What's the, the current posture? Um, there's definitely a very, uh, and LaVonda is going to go more into this, as far as small businesses. Um, you have Jane Mall, 
You have the small business corridor along Silver Star and Pine Hills. I remember those two shopping centers when uh, when Dixie was there, the Hiwashi Shopping Center when Publix was there. So where is Pine Hills currently as far as uh, just just overall? Where where are you currently? Uh, currently, I would say that we are, uh, it's difficult to find a space to, to open up a business in Pine Hills because we have such, we, we don't really have a large retail space. It's just along our, our roadways. Um, and uh, we have uh, people wanting to open up businesses. And uh, I've had them asking me if, if I know of a place that's open. So I, I feel it's very positive. We have new businesses opening. We have uh, actually uh, chains that are coming from other parts of the uh, country, South Florida, uh, uh, Presidente opened up a supermarket. We have ethnic uh, food markets. Uh, another one, I just heard that a Korean market has bought up the old Target center for a, another market. So I people are looking at our demographics and our diverse demographics and are supplying the needs for all those demographics. Wow, wow, excellent, excellent. Bertina Bush, I cannot thank you enough for joining us, for clarifying who and what Pine Hills uh, represents. Um, it is a very dignified community, a community of working people. I think it is a model of diversity. And I am, I'm just proud to say that I, I've lived there on several occasions. I have family that lives there, so I'm constantly in the area. And, and thank you. Thank you for coming on and uh, being the historian to this particular segment. And I certainly look forward to following up with you some more and learning some more of that rich history. Oh, my honor. Thank you. Thank you. And so once again, you are listening to Our Seat, Our Table uh, Leadership Lounge. This is where we go directly into our communities, local communities, African-American communities, um, underrepresented communities, communities who have had a uh, the narrative, the narrative misspoken or, or strictly just lied about. So uh, there, I said it. Um, and this is where we we get to say who we are. So up next, we have joining us Sandra Fatme. Sandra Fatme is a, a woman about town. She has constantly, constantly continues to push Pine Hills in a, a, um, a very uh, robust direction when it comes to community leadership under her program, United um, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Sandra, help me out. United, United Foundation of Central Florida. I'm sorry, I don't have my notes in front of me. United Foundation of Central Florida. And Sandra, please tell us, how was that organization birthed and why did you see the need for it? Well, thank you, first of all, so much um, for doing this. Um, you know, our seat, our table. Um, couldn't think of anyone better when I when I when I think of Pine Hills, um, other than Bertina Bush, who would be such a, a, a historian, just as you rightly said. And um, Miss Lavanda from Eatonville. Thank you all so much for being on there. Thank you for having us. I'll tell you this: I've been involved in this community for almost 10 years. And I came into town 12 years ago. And when I came into town, I knew that I was sent here on a mission and to do ministry. And a part of that was bringing about solutions. Whenever I heard a, a problem and I could team up with a village, help to see how I could bring about some solutions with partners. And once I got into town and started hearing where our um, numbers were in terms of being put out there in the streets. Oh, you know, we have to work on that C word in the area. We have to work on getting our students off the streets. We have to find something for them to do. I knew about all the different organizations that existed, but I wanted to form something that was a little bit more hands-on right? So, um, and, and made sure to pay more of an attention. So United Foundation of Central Florida was birthed to empower communities, one family 
at a time. And under the United Foundation of Central Florida, the 501c3 parent company, we formed three vibrant programs. There's some others, but there's three programs that are vibrant that are um, absolutely working for every single thing that we set out to do that's under United Foundation of Central Florida. So it was formed to empower communities one family at a time to bring about some solutions to help our young people to address sending them to college and to also talk about some um, food insecurities, which we know is a word we're using now. Exactly. So Sandra, since the beginning of I'm going to have to say COVID. Since uh, COVID came into our communities, I have to say I've seen you on the front line. You are definitely a frontliner for this community. I have personally seen and others have seen your efforts in which to address that same uh, food insecurity. Please tell us about your weekly food drives and exactly how many families have you, your organization, your partners, how many organizations have you been able to impact? Wow. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, back in June, I received a phone call from the Pine Hills Community Center and the same things that I just mentioned that bringing about solutions is something that's near and dear to my heart. And when I received the phone call, I started making other phone calls. I started calling friends. I reached out to Feed the Need. I reached out to the Pine Hills Community Council. And I said, you know what? There are phone calls that are coming through to me. And those phone calls are asking for help in providing in our area, in our area, food, um, that we can bless our community with. Because remember, in the month of June, we were well on our way into the pandemic and into COVID, and people started losing their jobs. Yes, they started losing their jobs. So when I got together with all of these partners, um, you know what? It was only one or two that said no. Everyone else said yes, I'll be very honest with you. And we said we wanted to address that first week because maybe we could give them enough food to tide them over. We didn't know what number to use, but I came up with a number of 300 families because I heard the center had gotten about 25 um, inquiries. And I said, you know what? Maybe we could address um, 300 Well, you won't believe it that the first week, which was July 1st, was okay. the first week and we had enough food for 300 families, but we had over 500 families show up because the cars came through and we had to turn them away. Wow. So my heart hurt. It did. Mm -hmm. It hurt from a standpoint that this is where we were, but it also hurt from a standpoint that we had to turn families away. So the following week, I said, we should need, we need to do this again. Everyone else said yes. And we did over 500 families. Right. And that need was met. And I'll tell you, we just kept going because the phone calls kept coming and it became a pantry without a place because people wow. knew, yes, where they could count on getting food and did not have to worry about that basic need and necessity of food. So we continue that um, until December for six full months. We did it every single week. Wow. And in December, I knew I had to take a break because I felt it. Right. I knew that we had so much food that we gave them in December that could last them into January. It was that much food. And I decided to take a break. And um, we started again in the month of February. Now we do every single week, every other week. I'm sorry. Now we do every other week. And I'll tell you, we have fed over 22,000 families. And as of this Thursday coming, it will be over 114,000 individuals. And I have to wow. give credence wow. and thanks to partners, volunteers, sponsors, donors. Wow. It took a village. Yes, ma'am. I got I to say, looking on, it is impressive. I know uh, when you go live, I see yes. the volunteers. I see your staff. I see the participants. Um, it is a robust movement once again in how we come together and activate our communities in these stressful times. So I commend you. I commend your leadership. 
I commend your vision. Um, and, and I'm just glad that you are there in Pine Hills. Um, once again, this is the, I, I, I want to say this is how a community like Pine Hills, which has always had a large presence in Central Florida, and they, they have shined the negative spotlight for a very long time. But I think the, the efforts that you're doing, um, I saw where one of the, the walls, um, there was a mural painted. Yes. Uh, Jacoy Taylor did that. Yes. Uh, my nephew, he was instrumental in pulling different artists together. Yes. These are the works that they are not speaking about. These are the works that's actually happening from the residents and the people um, uh, that live in the area. They, they, they know exactly what is needed so I, I commend you. I commend you so much. Thank and, you. I Yes, go ahead. I'm uh, sorry. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I, I, there was a little break up there, so I didn't know if you were finished. But if I could just add the pride that we have that you talk about to your relatives that are there. I know who they are, the hard work that they have put into Evans High School. But I have to tell you, when I say super proud of leadership, teachers, administration that have stepped up um, I also know Jarvis Reeler, who, yes, um, yes. along with um, um, Jenny Gibson Link, allowed me to enter Evans High School um, six years ago. And I say it that way, allowed, because I had knocked on several other school doors and they were not immediately opened. And uh, Jarvis Wheeler, I will always give him credit, along with um, Principal Jenny Gibson Link, for saying, yes, come on in with your Future Leaders United After School Enrichment and Mentoring Program, because we like what you're, you want to do. I know you haven't done it yet, but let's give you an opportunity. And I'll just fast forward to tell you that with them opening that door, as of today, um, in Evans High School, 99 students have graduated from the Future Leaders United After School Enrichment and Mentoring Program. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. 94 have been sent to college and three in the military, two in the workforce. And our third program is the um, the educational scholarship program. And $72,250 has been given to our students to go to school all throughout Florida, outside of the state as well, and an additional 15,000 to keep them there. And I'll tell you this, everything we set out to do so far has been done. The graduation rate has raised from 77%. It is now 90 seven percent wow, wow, right wow. And that's a village um the crime rate is down uh 49 percent you don't hear that anywhere uh, anyone right. talking about it as we should every single thing that we have set out to do so far seven years later i thank god i thank the village partners and everyone that came together to make it happen and you giving us a platform to talk about it continued blessings to you Thank you, Sandra. Congratulations. Congratulations. Big shout out to uh, Evans High School. All I hear is Pine Hills Pride, Trojan Pride. Big, big yes. shout out. Yes, yes, yes. So up next we have, and we want to thank you, Sandra. Thank you for coming on, taking the time. I know thank that you're you. extremely busy. So continue all the great work in the community to push us forward. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Up next, we're going to have Andrew Brown who will be speaking with Haitian artist, Patrick Knows. Good Friday morning, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is our seat, our table, Leadership Lounge here on 91.5 Rollins Radio. And you can also listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I am so excited. Every time I get to interview this gentleman, it is a wild ride and I cannot wait. We have artist patrick knows patrick good morning good morning good morning patrick um you have an art studio here in orlando where exactly is it well presently i i, I closed it because of uh the covid 19. um however it reopens and it was on on florida uh, avenue gotcha okay and when do you think it'll be open again I'm 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 planning on opening again and the beginning or close to 2022. 
Oh, the uh, I just want to make sure this COVID thing is totally out. Absolutely. Before I could get dedicated. However, I do uh, shows. I'm sort of on the road, on the road now. <laughs> okay, talk to us more about that. Well, uh, all the services that I provided at Nozart Studio, I still provide at premises of anyone who wants to have a gallery show or anyone who wants to have a, a class of any sorts, because I teach from the professional level mm-hmm. to the fun level, as children and adults. Uh, I felt it, it, it was important to keep the art going, even though COVID, you know, sort of put a, put a stop to a lot of our livelihood. Absolutely. And now, when the studio was open, you said you were giving a lot of classes. What kind of classes could we take with you? Oh, advanced painting classes of all mediums, oil, watercolor, acrylic, um, and sculpting classes. I taught uh, sculptures. I teach sculpt from the basic to the advanced. Um, of all ages, for professional artists, the classes usually involve the model. Mm. Uh, I usually use a, a model if the person is adult, is an adult, and understand enough what is a figurative uh, model, what it stands for. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I usually would uh, have a, a live model for students that are advanced. Awesome. Now, let's go back a little bit back in time. Talk to our listeners about how you became an artist, because it's an interesting story for those who don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I originally started out being studying for, I was studying for sculpt to be a, a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, my parents were, were, were uh, molding me to be a lawyer so I could take over uh, the school of uh, of law in my country, Haiti. However, after I traveled from the place where I was born, my place of birth, which is Jeremy in Haiti, I went to Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where my father lives. And he is an artist. He's a second-generation artist. Uh, but he sculpted a lot. He did a lot of sculptures. So I started painting at this sculpting at the age of five using a razor blade. And from there, my father, uh, when I just about turned nine, he introduced me to painting. He says, well, I see you very good with, uh, with sculpting. I would like for you to, to try this. So he gave me a box of paint, of oil paint, which was given to him by my grandfather, who was also a sculptor and painter. And uh, I never stopped. I, uh, the first painting I did, I, I, it was sold to a, to a man, a uh, traveling uh, tourist. He, he was an American, and he, he, he called me the Moodis. Of course, mm-hmm. I didn't know what he was saying. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I later, uh, and the reason he did that was because um, he called me a Moodis because I was able to capture movements in the person in the exact manner which they are moving. So he called me and I would capture their personality, etc. And I, I never stopped. I, I kept kept on going until uh, until until today. <laughs> so then when you you said you were born in Haiti, when you made the transition here to the United States, did you find it difficult to become a full time artist? Yes. Because when I came to the United States, we didn't have a model. Mm. Um, when I started studying art, I sort of showed great interest in high school. So in high school, I had majored in art. They started me out. Um, however, when I was about, uh, when I graduated, I graduated with scholarships and, and won awards. Mm-hmm. Except I was to go to Cooper Union, which was one of the best art schools in, in, in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, while the gentleman who was the, the dean, uh, actually the, um, he was in charge of the art department, and he called Cooper Union in those rotary phones to ask about uh, the possibilities, and he used these very words, for the, uh, he's a black boy, and I would like 
for you to, you know, submit him, admit him to your to your program. But the emphasis the emphasis was on Black Boy, mm-hmm. which to me was kind of strange. But nonetheless, I listened to him and uh, to see where he was going at it. So because when he did the introduction for me to go to Cooper Union, he had no idea that I would even be accepted. But when I uh, did apply. They, they they gave me with the scholarship. They I was accepted with flying colors, so I was not able to go because as a I came to America illegally. I didn't even know I was illegal. Mm. <laughs> so um, when uh, so I had to work. I, I did. I, I started working, but I never stopped painting. So the difficulties that were in art were the fact that. When you look at art history, we never see a black artist mm-hmm. to the point where one of the, when I finally got to Pratt Institute after many years of struggling, uh, driving a taxi cab, posing as a model myself for artists, um, doing all sorts of, of chores to be able to pay for for courses at the School of Visual Arts, mm-hmm. of which were not registered because uh, but but, but uh, at the time when I went, uh, it did not. It was not the school of visual art it is today. It was a school of art where people could just pay and go concentrate on one medium of sort. Gotcha. So when I when I finally gained my papers, my legal papers, I went to Pratt Institute. So when I got to Pratt Institute, there I was told. You know, I was asked, what do you want to major in? I said, well, I want to major, naturally I'm majoring in fine arts, but I want to minor in education so that mm-hmm. I can I can teach art. They said, well, they already came out with a will. Uh, I said, well, what, ma'am? He says, well, she says to me, the lady, he says, well, um, I don't know if that's a good role for you. Mm. I, I, do you play ball? Do you play basketball? I say, ma'am, I'm, I'm five foot four. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't play basketball. Do you play any kind of sport? So I stopped her right there and then. I say, I, I think I know where you're going at this because in my at, at the Pratt Institute, there weren't any black ch- ch- uh, students. In the art department, they were more into the like uh, engineering because it was a school of art and science and mm-hmm. engineering. Mm-hmm. So, and what little uh, black uh, uh, art students there were, there wasn't that the unity because we, we we were all sort of like fending for ourselves in a sense, mm-hmm. dog eat dog world. So there wasn't that unity, and and but one thing I had that sort of attracted everybody else was talent. Mm-hmm. I couldn't speak English well like I do. Maybe I don't today. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's well. But um, I had one thing that was the language of, of the world, the universal language called art. Mm-hmm. So when I applied that universal language, people came to me as though I was a magnet. and They wanted to know what I was doing, how I was using techniques for projects that lasted, that were supposed to last three months. I was knocking them out in a week. They didn't know how I was doing that. So finally, when I was told that I could not be an artist, I took that as a challenge and and, and made it, took it upon myself to also tell this woman who told me that I, I should be a basketball player or Michael Jackson of sorts. I said no, because by then it was a time when every there was a... a, 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 a saying, I want to be like Mike. Mm-hmm. So I said, ma'am, I, I, as you look at me and you can tell, I cannot be like Mike. I'm too short to be like Mike. I am my own person. I'm going to be that artist that I want to be. I'm going to be that professor in college, where you, et cetera. I told her. Then she says, well, you don't really have a role model to follow. Again, going back to art history, there's no black uh, people in history books. So then I said to her, and then she asked me where I was from because of my heavy accent. I told her I'm from Haiti. I'm from, in fact, not only I'm from Haiti, I'm from Jeremy, where I was born. It's called the Isle of Poets. Only mm-hmm. artists live there. She said, well, uh, well, if you're from Haiti, I guess you have role models, uh, such as uh, Toussaint Louverture. And 
I say, well, I'm surprised you even know about Tusel Overture. Do you teach that in your school? <laughs> but to make the long story short, I the, the level of difficulty was was more from people who, because they were not used to seeing artists wanting to do something that is just impossible, they were sort of discouraging the fact, assuming they're doing me a favor. Mm-hmm. And let me tell this black fella, he can't be an artist in America doesn't matter how many generations he's had in his country. So I did not let that stop me. Naturally, nowadays, um, I, I, co- I concentrated for a long time in Haitian history. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my painting people even ask me now, why do you only paint black people? Why do you only paint historical paintings about your country? Do you think people will buy them? I say, well, ma'am, I, I, personally, I don't have any in my house, so I'm, mm-hmm. somebody must be buying them. Somebody's right? buying them. Yeah. So the, the level of difficulty was high, but as I say in everything, if you persist in what you want, there is not an obstacle that can stop you. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So. For last question before we have to wrap up, for young artists or young people that are interested in going into the arts but feel like they have a barrier against them, whether it's language or they're from another country or uh, whatever the barrier they feel that they face, what advice would you give to them to help them to overcome the way you did? They, 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 They should follow their dreams. And one of the main obstacles they're going to find, aside from everything else, are people and mostly parents telling them you cannot do that because there's no money in it. Um, I tell them, never stop after your dream. But I always encourage them, and as I have done in my, myself as a professional, I've learned other as a mean of backup. I repair, I do restoration on cars, I, 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 I fix computers, but these are trades that are like the secondary backups. It's mm-hmm. like plan B. You have to have a plan B mm-hmm. as an artist. You have A for art, but B to survive. Mm-hmm. Because it's a long process. It's not tomorrow you're going to become an artist. And you have to earn the right because it's a privilege, it's a gift, but you have the privilege to be recognized. Because uh, a lot of young RP, uh, folks coming up, they say, you're an artist, you know, I'm an artist, yeah, yeah, yeah. But an artist is the word that is used to describe someone of talent by his or her peers or people who admire the work. The minute they call you or recognize your work as an artist, then you could call yourself that. So don't despair keep on moving on. That's all I can say. Patrick, thank you so much for always giving us an entertaining story. Even knowing so much about you, I still have learned (laughs) more about you every time we talk. And we're looking forward to coming by the studio next year when you reopen. Um, Tell us very quickly how people can reach out to you. Uh, Simply uh, patricknose.com MyName.com, P-A-T-R-I-C-K-N-O-Z-E, Z for people from England. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and and then .com, and you'll find me. You could Google me, or my number, everything, all my information will show up. Absolutely. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to Our Seat, Our Table, the Leadership Lounge, here on 91.5 Rollins Radio. So coming up next, we have LaVonda Wilder with the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce. LaVonda Wilder will be speaking with another Pine Hills, Pine Hillian. Is it fair to say that, Pine Hillian? And talking about all the great things that's happening business-wise in the community. Good morning, Ms. LaVonda Wilder. Good morning, Barbara. Thank you for having us on this morning, and I'm excited to speak with Mr. Glenn Providence. Good morning, Mr. Providence. How are you today? Hey, 
morning. How yes, are you? sir. Yes. I am well. How about yourself? Apologizing at um, Plant City, getting some beautiful produce for our market today. So I apologize for the background noise in advance. Oh, that's fine. I love to hear about people working in the community and paying it forward. I was just speaking to someone about the importance of working with our community and making it a more beneficial community for everyone involved. And Mr. Providence, I see that you have a history of working with Ebony Nutrition, Project Management, Marketing, and Business Development. And I said, well, let me look into his into his background a little more. And I went on LinkedIn and it lists your exceptional writer with strong presentation, communication, and negotiation skills. And I guess this was setting you up to be the editor for Midtown Press. What are your goals for the newspaper? You know, I was listening to the um, to the previous callers um, on here, Sandra Fatmi Hall, who I just love and adore, um, and the work that she's doing. Um, the 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 Bushes, Noel and Bertina Bush, have done an incredible job over the last 25 years um, with the um, formerly the Pine Hills Press, um, now the Midtown Press, and I want to be able to expand on that legacy and I believe in stories. I believe that everybody has a story and there's so many unwritten, rich, incredible stories that that are unsung. Um, and I wanna be able to highlight in the Pine Hills area. So whether it's small businesses, whether it's, it's, it's students, whether it's, it's seniors, um, I want to be able to pull out these stories for those people that help build this village that we call um, Pine Hills and the surrounding community and be able to um, to, to help uh, better get to better uh, tell these stories. That's an awesome initiative. So your thoughts about the newspaper is that you're just going to highlight the more positive aspects and make the community look more inviting for new people to come in and new businesses? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, I am an entrepreneur um, by heart. Um, I, I get that from my father. And so I, anyone that has the courage, because it does take a lot of courage to, to for anyone to take that leap into entrepreneurship and to start a business. So, um, and, and Pine Hills is in the surrounding communities around Pine Hills are just ripe for the opportunity. Um, uh, and, and you can just look at the changing um, demographics and the, the changing business scene. And so anyone who is um, interested in business, we're gonna have a focus on the art scene because I think that is critical to um, our kids and to to us as adults to be able to explore the arts and the rich dynamic art scene uh, that's around us that some people may not be aware of, but um, but to be able to promote arts and, and just all the incredible things and, and and again with that focus on that storytelling that people are 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 with all these stories that that people may not be aware of. Yeah, I think sometimes we get so caught up in some of the negative things that people say about Pine Hills, but we forget about the rich history that Pine Hills includes. And your newspaper is definitely highlighting and speaking about some of the events that have happened in Pine Hills. What makes a, an article or an event newsworthy for the Midtown Press? So I there's a term that, you know, I heard uh, years ago that I love um, is called edutainment um, and, and it's, it's being able to um, have that entertainment value and that entertainment value is through words and through storytelling um, and then there's also you know the pictures and people love seeing themselves in print and seeing their name in print there's nothing as, as, as much as, as things are going digital these days and there's websites and social media 
and, and, and other, you know, platforms like that that are more electronic, there is nothing like flipping over, flipping the pages of, 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 of a paper and seeing your name in it or recognizing someone from a picture or something like that. And so um, that, that is, is, is going to continue. Um, the, 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 the print um, version will always be a part of the paper. Um, so first and foremost is to have that entertainment value, um, but more importantly, and just as importantly, is be able to educate um, on, on the different topics is things that um, are going on from a policy and, and, and government standpoint to changes going on in the community, new developments, new businesses opening, um, different things that people should be aware of that may not be covered in larger newspapers or may not be covered in your evening news. We want to have that macro lens pointed in on the Pine Hills and surrounding areas to be able to communicate to our people about things going on that they should know. As a matter of fact, I am going to have a section in the paper called In the Know, and it's going to highlight specifically those um, those uh, uh, happenings that people should be aware of that could impact um, their daily lives. So um, that's definitely going to be a focus of what we're doing. Awesome, because sometimes just seeing someone that looks like us encourages us a lot. I have a question for you. Uh, I know that the Pine Hills Press covers Pine Hills, Ola Vista, Little Egypt, Lockhart, Clare Corner, and you've been in existence since 1995. This is a free newsletter. How is the newsletter funded? And I know that it's also placed in 100 locations. Hello? Is that still current? I lost you for a quick second, but yes, that I think I, I got the gist of your question that is still current um uh i don't know if i missed the piece that we do have an online presence now so you could go to the midtownpress.com and, and and find an electronic version of the paper and um we also launched a facebook page um uh, also uh, last year uh, in 2020 and the goal with the facebook page is to provide is it's to serve as a supplement to the printed paper um, the printed version of the paper. So in between um, issues, because the paper is published six times a year. Um, so in between those issues, if there's any updated news or things that I think are relevant that um, our community should know, I definitely push it out that way. Awesome. How many businesses are currently located in Pine Hills? Um, I don't know the answer to that question, um, but there are there are so many small businesses. There's so many pockets and, and, and shopping centers. Um, yesterday, I actually drove around um, to some of the businesses and got to meet some of, of, of the advertisers. And you would be amazed. You pull into some of these small shopping centers and there's 10 um, small businesses and, and 12 here and, and, and a couple people that have merged and they're sharing space so I, I i don't know that number but i would love to get that number and and that's a quick tidbit that i would i would promote because that's the kind of things that i think once people know um you know the environment that they're operating in um that they would probably have a different look and a different take on on pine hills and, and like i said the neighborhood is changing it's 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 evolving, um, and, and you could see that as you drive around the, the neighborhood. I've definitely seen some changes, even in the last year or two, I've seen some very positive changes within the community, and I just see more community pride being encouraged, and that's always a benefit for business owners and the community itself. Right, and and just the different entities, um, like the, the Pine Hills Safe Neighborhood partnership and the Pine Hills Community Council, um, uh, 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 Patricia Rumpf and, and I mentioned Sandra and, and all these different um, entities, they all have different, a different focus, but collectively um, the impact that they're making on, on the community to make that community stronger, I think is paying dividends. And I think in years to come, 
um, with the continued, um, uh, the, the demographics are going to change um, and, 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 you know, new homeowners are going to come in. And I think this all sets the stage for a, a, a vibrant um, uh, uh, residential community, a vibrant business community. And just to have that Pine Hills pride to be a location, to be a neighborhood that people want to live, work, and serve in, I, that, that's the ultimate goal. Oh yeah, I, I can definitely definitely hear the pride in your voice and I see the work that you have ahead of you. And I'm looking forward to seeing some of the positive aspects of just the community coming together to work for the betterment of the community and our kids. You know, when we have a strong community, positive, strong, positive community, our kids benefit and so does everyone else. Absolutely, absolutely. The kids um, are definitely, um, not to sound cliche, but the kids are the future. And so we want to make sure that they are supported um, in, in every sense um, um, and, and, and not feel like because of, of their neighborhood that they lack any resources. I think it's our goal to try to bring as many resources as we can to the neighborhood so that they can have exposure and experience these positive things to make their childhood um, even more dynamic so they could grow up and be um, positive role models and then come back to the neighborhood and, and, and work and continue to give back. That's the most important aspect. And, and I think that as long as we're making the community a viable community, the, some of the kids will come back. They won't be in such a hurry to finish school and go and move somewhere else to, uh, you know, my quotes here, to a better neighborhood. So we have to do something to bring the youth back to the community to keep the community growing. Right, absolutely, absolutely. So I'm, I'm open. Um, I want to talk to people as I continue my role in the paper. My goal is really just to dive more into the community. I want to get to know more people. Um, but you would just be surprised all the hidden gems that are that are located in 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 that neighborhood and and just the the the, the work that people have done and, and places that they've traveled to and and just the experiences that they've had. And so, um, and so I want that paper to be a connector of people, a connector of events, um, a, a, a platform to really just talk about the good and the pride of Pine Hill. So I welcome um, the opportunity to, to talk to you and to anyone else to, um, to, to so we could just learn and, and share more of these stories. So. Well, awesome. That, that's a great initiative, definitely. If someone were interested in becoming a drop-off location for the paper or just submitting something that they would like to, to add to the paper, how can they contact you? Um, contact us at admin, A-D-M-I-N, at themidtownpress.com. Admin at themidtownpress.com. They can send us an email. Um, they could also go to the website, um, the midtownpress.com and there is a uh, submission form they could um, also do it that way and um, and 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 uh, get added to the list and um, we could uh, see if we can include them in the route um, to be um, one of the drop-off points well thank you so much mr. Providence for speaking with our small business spotlight this morning with the Edenville Chamber of Commerce and you have an amazing day thank you so much take care and God bless you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. LaVonda Wilder, thank you so much for speaking with Glenn Providence, um, speaking about his, his continued uh, strive to highlight Pine Hills businesses through the Midtown Press, which was started by the historian that was here present with us, uh, Ms. Bertina Bush. Sandra Fatney with Central Florida United Foundation. We want to thank you for your amazing, amazing efforts. All I hear is Pine Hills Strong, Pine Hills United, Pine Hills Alive, and we are just so happy that we can have you on. You've been listening to Our Seat, Our Table Leadership Lounge. We want to thank all our guests and community partners from the Pine Hills area. We want to thank Bertina Bush, Sandra Fatme, 
Glenn Providence, and Patrick Knows. We look forward to seeing you next week right here, same time, 9 o'clock. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as WPRK.org. Once again, thank you for joining us. Go higher, think greater, be stronger, be wiser. Our seat, our table, this is our voice, our time, our moment, our seat, our table. Yeah, hey, hey. Table.